What's going on? This is the Saturday Down South podcast. I am Connor O'Gara. Will, three things on the agenda today. Two of those are sort of Georgia-based. Yes, I know it's been a bit UGA-heavy lately, but if, if anybody's team wins their first title in four decades, that's you know, sort of the name of the game. We'll do that for you too, I promise, mm-hmm. not just the Georgia thing. And good news is that we're going to do multiple pods this week. Might just have a little bit of a surprise later in the week for the people, OG listeners of the podcast. I think we'll really appreciate that. Still figuring out what the details are going to be. So we're gonna have Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart on in a little to offer up some historical perspective on Georgia's title. And we're also gonna have our Bull Mania winner, Justin Lonazak, join us for figuring it out to talk about celebrating Georgia's title as a functioning member of society. But first, how we got here with college football playoff expansion is a question that many people are wondering about right just now. Well, I've got another comp for you. Love these. <laughs> it's a little bit different than our Tom Hanks is Alabama, Leonardo DiCaprio is Georgia comp, but stay with me here. This is where my brain went when we saw Jim Phillips' comments on Friday that the ACC didn't believe expansion was right at this time. Maybe some of you listening to this have experienced this exact situation. I personally haven't, but again, stay with me. I imagine a couple finding out that they might be having a baby is met with that initial shock. At least those who weren't expecting that. There's that initial moment of panic that, whoa, this could be happening. And at first, you might even think, hey, the timing isn't right. But then when the initial shock wears off and you realize that this might be possible, you not only accept this major change in your life, but you embrace it. Maybe you start thinking about baby names or maybe you think about how you design a nursery. Instead of keeping your fingers crossed that it won't happen like you might have, at first upon hearing that it could be in the works, you lean into it and even began getting excited about this new chapter in your life. That's what this whole playoff discussion feels like as it relates to expansion. Over the summer, when we first heard that the Power Five commissioners were on board with expanding to 12 before the 14 playoff contract ran out, many of us, myself included, were like, whoa, that kind of caught me off guard. Is this the right time? What does that mean for the regular season? Are we really ready to go from four to 12? But then the more and more we realized that this was far more than just some fun idea on Reddit, many of us embraced this new chapter. We started playing out the hypothetical playoff brackets. We thought about what it would look like to see a playoff game played in Madison or Baton Rouge. And the initial shock of having a baby, playoff expansion, it wore off and we were ready. But then we found out that, nope, false alarm. No baby, no playoff expansion right now. The initial response to that felt like disappointment instead of relief. I'm not saying that's the case for everyone. It did at least feel like the consensus after Friday's news dropped. Why that was significant was because as we talked about in the summer, in order for a contract to be ripped up, it has to have unanimous support. The Big 12 and Pac-12 are frustrated because they desperately want and need any form of expansion. The Big 10 supports it, but is hung up on the automatic qualifiers and the involvement of the Rose Bowl. And the SEC is like, well, we're not the ones who really need this, but we'll compromise for the good of the sport. That doesn't, however, mean that the SEC is sitting here open to an 18 playoff with six automatic qualifiers, because again, we've got two decades worth 
worth of data to show that not all conferences are created equal, and it makes zero sense for the SEC to give on that and support any system that doesn't allow for it to have at least four to five teams in the field on an annual basis. So what do we make of this? Timing is everything in life. Phillips' announcement also included reasons against expansion being player safety for the additional games because remember, we're talking about a national champion potentially playing 17 games if you insist on leaving the conference title games untouched. We find out that Clemson players don't want additional games. And on the surface, the timing of that makes sense. How Clemson feels about this matters to the ACC because, hey, when you're the conference's lone team to actually have a playoff pulse, you get to dictate these sort of things. There are a couple ways to look at this from that perspective, the Clemson perspective. Of course, asking Clemson players in mid-January about playing extra games was met with that response. You're talking about a program who took decades and decades to get to that point, and they became what they are once the 14 playoff began. Even with this down year, it's still a program who made six consecutive playoff appearances, went to four national titles, and won two rings. They don't want another barrier to entry when this specific system has taken that program into a new stratosphere. Let's also not forget that Clemson just finished a long, frustrating season. Dudes are tired and pretty beat up right now. This ain't midsummer when you're like, hell, let's play 20 games if that's what it takes to win a national title. Right. The mindset's just a little bit different. Physical and mental exhaustion is at its peak. So this past weekend, I went to the Georgia Victory Parade in Athens, and it was awesome. I'd never been to a victory parade of any kind. Seeing that scene, in Athens was, it was very surreal. It was a super last minute decision that my bosses made to send me there. And for a couple different reasons, I elected to just make it a one day trip with an early flight to Atlanta on Saturday morning and a return flight that night. One of those reasons being that snow was expected in Atlanta on Sunday and I wanted no part of having travel arrangements amidst that chaos. On Saturday morning, I was awake at 3.50, I was awake at 3.50 a.m. And by the time I got back to my house in Orlando that night, it was, I think like 11.30. And I'll be honest, your boy was pretty, yeah, was pretty gassed, all right? I, I did the math and I've either been flying, driving three plus hours, or just in another state away from home for 18 of the last 28 days. All right, like part of that how's was that, spending- the yard looking these days? The yard's actually all right. We've, we've been sneaking in some mows. We've been taking care of our grass, uh, our, our areas that need a little extra watering. We took care of some, some pesky leaves that have been sitting on the edge of the curb yesterday that were kind of stuck because of some water there. We're all right. We could be in much worse shape. I'll just say that. Listen, when times get hard, a man has to stick to his true bearings of what holds him together. And for you, that's the yard. And I can appreciate that about you. <laughs> yes, you know this to be true. And look, I, I'm not sitting here complaining about my job. I, I love getting to do this. And I have been trying to soak in every possible minute of it. But I'll be honest with you. If I finish this podcast and I look down to see a text from my bosses and they were like, hey, we need you to go to Baton Rouge tomorrow and interview some random player. My initial response would be, can I just do it over the phone? <laughs> what if it's Pig Cage, Connor? Uh, I would consider making a red-eye flight to interview Pig Cage. We're all members <laughs> of the pig pen here. <laughs> if the result is the same thing on my end, and I have a say in the matter, the timing of that would play a major part in how I would react to that. It wouldn't surprise me if Clemson players also kind of felt like that. 
It definitely wouldn't surprise me if Dabo Sweeney continued to bang that drum even when the four-team playoff contract runs out. Dabo is the guy who wants everything to stay the same forever. It's why he was so resistant of NIL, it's why he refuses to embrace the transfer portal, and it's probably why the idea of playoff expansion isn't something he's particularly interested in. Side note, I love how Dabo is let's keep everything the same guy while also being the guy who agreed to a 10-year, $93 million contract. You can't have it both ways. Jim Harbaugh is the real keep everything the same guy, not because he just drinks whole milk like it's water, but he at least took a massive pay cut, loaded it up with incentives, hit his incentives, and then donated all that incentive money back to the university employees who got hit during the pandemic. But I digress. We're at this place with playoff expansion because everyone continues to act out of their own personal best interest. And for everyone saying that we need a college football commissioner, I go back to what Matt Hayes said on this podcast a year ago. That idea is utopic, completely. Athletic directors and presidents are not going to just relinquish their power and suddenly defer to someone who isn't going to act in their best interest at all times. Now, that means Greg Sankey, he is tasked with being the guy who has to act in the best interest of the sport. Dan Wetzel uh, column, wrote a column that both of us have, have read. I'm sure many people listening to this have read. It basically dug into um, the reaction from those meetings that happened the day of the national championship and how they didn't lead to much of anything. Sankey has lapped the field so badly with figuring out how to set his conference up for success that he's now tasked with throwing a bone to these other conferences. It's like when you beat a video game. Will, you play video games a lot more than I do, so you could, you could relate to this. Let's say you're playing NCAA 14, right? Mm -hmm. And you're on rookie mode. Is, is rookie mode or is it freshman mode? Freshman, yeah. Freshman mode, okay. Um, you don't just keep winning eight to five, 85 to nothing, right? Like, right. <laughs> eventually you have to crank up the competition, you get to Heisman mode because if you don't, it gets boring. It's, it gets really boring after a while. Sankey doesn't have to support expansion because the SEC doesn't need it, of course. As he said at the Georgia celebration, 14 playoff worked out pretty well this year, didn't it? Mm -hmm. Savage, savage move by Greg Sankey, who knows that he's got all the power in this situation and he can sit there and just roll his eyes at what everybody else is doing in the sport. Nice little jab at the ACC and really anyone who continues to get caught up in silly details while the SEC crowned its third different national champ in as many years and its fifth overall in the eight years of the 14 playoff system. Sankey has the SEC set up if expansion doesn't happen until the middle part of the decade because he's got Oklahoma and Texas coming on board. Yep. And if they expanded next year, SEC would just keep doing what it's doing and nothing, nobody would really change their opinions of the league. The ACC wants to bully Notre Dame into joining, into, into joining the conference to help correct that bad media rights deal it has and to make it that much more attractive the next time they go to the negotiation table. It's a better PR move to act like you're pro player and to say that player safety is the issue when you know that really wasn't enough to stop us from going to 12 games to 15 games to crown a national championship. Now apparently 17 is considered too much and that's the breaking point. Uh, I'll wait and see on that. If the ACC doesn't get Notre Dame on board and the initial 12-team playoff model goes through before that current contract runs out, the ACC doesn't have leverage for that new TV deal. And that's a bad place to be if and when the pay-for-play area, pay-for-play era, I can't even say it, gets here in the latter part of the 2020s. 
dangerous, dangerous spot to be for the ACC. The Alliance is not going to save the ACC from that. It's just not. And it's funny because, it's you know, so funny, was, man. It's so funny. And, like, oh, you're exactly right about the college football commissioner because, like, look what these lads are doing, bro. Like, look what they're doing. There's, like, it's, like, it's like a very goofy, nerdy version of Game of Thrones. It's like, hey, come into my, come under my house. It's like, okay, you guys have, like, combined, like, three titles in the last 60. Relax, okay? It's like, relax, guys. Let's all, let's all go somewhere together. Let's, come on. <laughs> and much like everybody was very annoyed with the end of Game of Thrones, I'm assuming that everybody is going to be annoyed with the end of this conversation. Because oh, yeah. so far, it's leading to nowhere. And, you know, look, the Alliance was supposed to be the thing that allowed these conferences to, to join forces. They stared into each other's eyes and... They, they said that they were going to go stride for stride with one another and hope that three heads were better than one in terms of combating Greg Sankey and the big bad SEC. Meanwhile, the Big Ten is too dumb to realize that automatic qualifiers shouldn't matter for a conference who's going to have three plus teams in a 12-team field almost every year. And as much as those Rose Bowl sunsets cure a New Year's Day hangover unlike few things can, it's silly to hold on to that like King Kong holds on to that woman as he climbs up the Empire State Building. The Big Ten, the ACC... Pac-12 and the Big 12 are not climbing anywhere. They're falling further and further behind the SEC with each dumb decision they make. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a lot. Thoughts? You always like to give these huge metaphors and then throw to me where I'm just like, keep going. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, first off, Shout out to the ACC for knowing who they are. I love that they were like, hey, we're having a playoff discussion. Everybody but Clemson, get out. <laughs> Listen, however many teams they have over there, everybody leave. Notre Dame, you can kind of, you can join a Zoom call if you want to be here, buddy, that's fine. But we only care about Clemson. And again, like you said, in a season where Clemson played, not only their worst season in like, you know, around 10 years, about eight, uh, also, they played the most unappealing brand of football. They've played in a long time. Of course, their players are like, I don't want to do this anymore. Get this out of my face. So, like, yeah, they're obviously, like, player safety is a real concern. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, like, oh, like, it doesn't Agreed. matter. Yeah, and, like, you know, that's one thing that, like, people do get kind of, you know, like, what... The people who were like casual fans and never understood that, like about the NIL stuff, it was like, oh, well, Johnny Manziel's making all this money. It's like most college football players aren't Johnny Manziel or Tim Tebow. Most of them are dudes who are going to take their education and go do something else. And so if you're talking about a 17 game season, I would tend to think that's not great. And I think that things need to get rearranged, be it fewer conference games or whatever. But it's hilarious that we're sitting here as SEC fans and the SEC has just flipped the script on everybody and they're like, no, come on. And and it's super funny when you see all these other talking heads talking about the SEC's bowl record, which is dumb, has never made any sense because, you know, let me tell you why. If you have the first and second best team in the playoff, the whole, like, slide rule of SEC teams eligible for other bowl games gets slid down. So now you have, you know, the fifth best SEC team taking on, you know, the second best Big Ten team or whatever. That, that obviously didn't happen this year, but that's kind of the way it works. And so if you're Greg Sankey, you're looking there and you're like, now hold on. If I know that the fifth best SEC team can complete, compete with and beat the best or the second best Pac-12 team, why would I not want a 12-team playoff? Because at the end of the day, you know, look at where Georgia has been before this season, where they've been right there. They've been eligible for the playoff almost every year under Kirby, or even um, these last couple of Florida teams. I was talking about this online. It's like, we, you know, it, it seems like what Dan Mullen did, we talk about is like a failure, but 
with a playoff where he would have been able to get into this 12-team field and be maybe a 9 or a 10 seed and then get matched up with, I don't know, like Iowa or Michigan one of these years to where they're like, you just never know what you're going to do in the postseason. So yeah, I think if you're an SEC fan, this is kind of a dream because if you're one of those kind of, like A&M, A&M is another great, uh, another great example. They could fundamentally not beat Alabama get in the get in the playoff and still go on a nice little run there and so like yeah i think that the way that the conference is set up right now is a little bit bottleneck due to alabama's dominance and we can talk about the pods with um oklahoma and texas joining and all these different things but something like a playoff is great because we've already devalued a lot of the bowl games anyway right there are five or six bowl games objectively that really truly matter um and obviously you know not not gonna do the kirk herbstreet thing and say people don't care but in terms of opt-outs versus no opt-outs. Now you have kind of the playoff where like nobody opts out and then you have Rose, Sugar, where it's fewer guys. And so at this point, I I think it's more football, it's better football, it's matchups that we do want to see. And so, yeah, I mean, hey, if if you have a bad hand, of course, you don't want to keep playing poker. And that's where every other conference is except for the SEC right now. One other thing on expansion with the 12-team format. I detailed earlier why I've come to expect it. And the reason why I think some fans have come around to it a bit more now than before the start of the year is again, all about timing. Hope springs eternal in the summer. Oh yeah. As opposed to right now, when fan bases sort of realized that their team was pretty far off from being at the level that we saw played on Monday night. I think there were a lot, there are a lot more fan bases who think their teams are playoff material going into a season than we realize. Here's here's what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. I went back and I found the amount of Power 5 teams who had one loss or less in November at any point of the playoff era. That's basically what you need to have a playoff pulse, right? Be a Power 5 team, one loss or less. Well, what do you think that number was? Remember, we're talking Power 5 teams who had one loss or less in November at any point of the playoff era. And remember, there are 64 Power 5 teams and 65 if you count Notre Dame. What do you think that number is? Oh, wow. So that's, I mean, teams count numerous times. So it's, you know, eight out of No, 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 no. Just it, Alabama counts as one. Okay, got you. Oh, wow. This is a good, yeah. So in November, I'm going to be nice and I'm going to say like 10 or 12. Maybe I didn't explain that correctly. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so just having a chance at the college football playoff, having one, being a Power 5 team mm-hmm. with one or fewer losses in the month of November, mm-hmm. right? So that, that, that would include a team like Wake Forest this year, right? Oh, Wake yeah, Forest. yeah, okay. That's got to be like probably closer to the 20s. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, so do you have a, a final guess on that? I'm going to say 20. 42. Oh, I'm so far off, bro. I'm sorry. So that, that kind of speaks to this point. That, that's like two thirds of power five teams mm-hmm. have felt like at some point in the playoff era, our team had a shot with this system. By the way, Texas is not one of those teams. Oh, amazingly not. enough. I'm sorry, yeah. let me redeem myself really quick. I'm stuck on this stat that you tweeted earlier that said we're eight years into the playoff system and only six programs can make the claim that they won a playoff game. So for some reason that narrowed my focus to like, oh, <laughs> nobody wins these. But you're right, that's a much wider field. And obviously, because of that tweet, a lot of those hopes died very quickly. But you're, you're right, that, yeah. I'm glad you brought that point up. Because yes, there are just six teams who can make the claim that they have won a playoff game. So if you do a quick, quick breakdown of that, 42 Power 5 teams 
have felt like they had a shot in November. And one seventh of that group can actually say, yes, we won a playoff game. That's it. Six teams have won a playoff game in eight years of this current system. And if you want to just talk about teams who have made it to the playoff, 13. 12 if we're just talking about Power Five, 11 if you exclude Notre Dame from the Power Five. So four of those six programs who can make that claim, hey, we won a playoff game. Same region of the country. All right, not the first person to say that, I'm not the last. One of those six, Oregon, uh, they won their lone playoff game seven years ago. Kind of a distant memory. A couple coaches ago, it was. The other, of course, being Ohio State. That's why this conversation is happening about the level of competition. And it's not really about having a playoff pulse in November. It's not just about that. Mm -hmm. Plenty of programs have that, and that number will increase with the 12 team format, of course. But I don't think it's just about trying to have relevance in November. In a sport that is already super regional in nature because of how it has to be scheduled, you can't have the same scheduling format as the NFL, blah, blah, blah. The 14 playoff has allowed the cream to rise to the top even more. That's not just some design conspiracy that ESPN made up one day. That's just reality. And so now many feel like the only thing that can stop that is by having these playoff games on campuses. As the Dan Wetzel column outlined, the hope that many of these programs are having is, look, let's just have a, a first round playoff game on our campus and give the illusion that we're competing for a national title mm -hmm. and that will help improve recruiting and that will even out some of this. That, I would say, is at least a better plan than letting Kayvon Thibodeau publicly recruit for the Ducks by attempting to trash Alabama. Goodness, that was so unbelievably bad if you haven't seen the clip. Also lost in the shuffle of, uh, I'm going to call it Thibodeau from now on, soon to be NFL Kyrie. Is that good, Will? You're yeah. an NBA guy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call, like, lost in the shuffle of that and him scaring the crap out of anybody drafting in the top three was Joel Klatt not pushing back just days after he went on Ryan Rosillo's podcast and threw out the idea that the affordability of air conditioning could be partially responsible for the SEC's dominance of the sport. Will, shout out to you for making me aware that a real human being who was paid to talk about college football said those words. Not the best week for Klatt's credibility after I thought for a few years there, he was one of the most logical people in the business. But I come back to the belief that the SEC's dominance has caused some to lose their freaking minds. Will, any more thoughts on that or about air conditioning? <laughs> I'm pro air conditioning. Listen, you know, I lived without air conditioning for like three or four months in the South. It was horrible. It made me so angry I wanted to win a national title. So I understand what Joe Glenn <laughs> is saying. No, dude. Oh, wow, that's a lot. So uh, shout out to me for the worst guest I've ever had in the show. But I think that does well illustrate the point that you're making that all these teams kind of fall off at, by the end of the season. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that overall, there's so much more hope. You know, we all want to be hope merchants for our own teams. And that's the crazy thing about, you know, college football is that it's not like um, March Madness in that your season always ends with an L right now. But I think that the ability to sell boosters and fans were a step away. We just need a little bit more of a donation. It's huge. Right. Like, and that's the crazy thing about college football. You really could say, you know, if you're... Let me try to think of an example. Let's say that you're one of these kind of like, like, like let's say you're South Carolina, right? You, you know, get this quarterback, you get these transfers. Let's say you just 
barely sneak your way into a playoff one year. You know, you're a twelve team playoff. Yeah, a twelve team playoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's okay. like you know, you could be third in your division, right? But if that division is Georgia and Florida, who could be one and four, right? You could find a way in there if you just only lose those two games. Um, and you could then go to your boosters and say, "Look how close we are, man." If we could get a new stadium, not a new stadium, but like a new yep. practice facility and all this different stuff. So I think, you know, college football is very inertia based. And that's one thing with the NIL that seems to be really picking up in the transfer portal. But yeah, I, I'm a lot like the BCS system definitely favored the Blue Bloods. The system we're in right now, there's a human element of it that we kind of raised against all season. So 12 seems like if you're the 13th team to be left off, you had probably had so many chances to get yourself in that- You're sitting there at nine and three probably, yeah. eight and four yeah. potentially. All right, let's, we, we can move on from that conversation. You kind of, you reap what you sow at that point. I agree, 100%. Yet at the same time, this does feel inevitable. And I have at least come to accept it I'm not gonna sit here and be raging mad that we're not getting a 12-team playoff next year, but reality is fans seem to want this more than ever and being told by an ACC commissioner, ah, you know what, maybe this just isn't quite the right time for it. Of course, it was gonna have that type of reaction. All right, let's kick it to, first we're gonna go to Tony Barnhart. Tony had a unique personal connection to Georgia's title and he's someone who has fantastic historical perspective. So it was great getting to catch up with him. And then we've got our Bowl Mania winner, Justin Lonezak, joining us for figuring it out to discuss celebrating this Georgia national title. So first Tony, then figure it out with Justin. I'm now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Tony, we're a few days removed from Georgia winning its first national championship in 41 years. So I don't want this to come off as too heat of the moment, but you've been in this business for roughly half a century. We were both there on Monday night. Maybe part of it was that it was played in a dome. And part of me hesitates to say this, but I truly cannot imagine a football atmosphere better and more electric than that one. Have you ever been to a game quite like that? You know, unless it was uh, unless it was the Rose Bowl, the USC Texas Rose Bowl, uh, mm. back in the '05 season. But when you, as soon as you walked in the building, you could feel the electricity. It, it was just, you know, Alabama was trying to win another national championship. Georgia is just saying, can is there any way that we can finally, finally win a game like this? And the tension, and it it was it wasn't really an, the tension was there the whole game, Connor. It really was, and. Um, it, uh, let's just say my, my Georgia friends were very happy with the outcome. So I, I want to talk about the, the personal story that, that you wrote off of this game for Sports Illustrated. It was excellent. Everyone should go read it. You are a Georgia grad, and instead of just watching it from the press box, you got to watch Monday night with your college fraternity brothers. Tell everyone about the, the annual tradition that you guys have and why that made Monday night so special. Well, we <clears throat> excuse me, we have been for about 40 years now. We've been uh, going to the Georgia-Florida game every year. And, and uh, we, we're scattered out all over the country. We've got two guys in uh, north, north and south Georgia. We've got a guy in Colorado Springs. And I'm in Atlanta. And so we get together every year for the Georgia-Florida game. We, we, we get a condo on a golf course and uh, tell lies about our misspent youth, at least to the extent we can remember them. <laughs> and uh, have have a grand, but it, it is it is a, a tradition. Hey, we know we're going to see each other once a year. It's it's locked into the schedule, and it's a lot of fun. So basically, what I told the guys, I said, look, if Georgia makes it to the national championship game, 
I will get us tickets and I will sit in the stands with you guys. I, I've done it one other time. I did it for the Georgia Oklahoma Rose Bowl back in seventeen, and I said, I said, I said we'll be sitting together, and so we managed to make that work. And it was, uh, but that's how it started from the Georgia Florida tradition, and uh, and that was a uh, that special uh, is something that none of us will ever forget. I love that. And, you know, I've only done this recently in the last couple of years where I've gone to Georgia games um, with with some of my buddies. And like I didn't, I didn't grow up like I'm not like a Georgia fan or anything like that. And but like seeing how diehard they are as guys who went there and live and breathe it, sometimes I'll have to remind them after a slow start, like, hey, you know, this defense is so unbelievably disciplined. Like Georgia's got a seven point lead. Usually these things work out like in the Florida game, especially this past year how much did you kind of have to talk your buddies off the ledge on monday night because i got to imagine they were probably (laughs) expecting another second and 26 oh man when when they had that controversial fumble by stetson bennett was it a forward pass was it a fumble and 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 all of a sudden they realized that it had been ruled. i was looking at the officials and i said they they may rule that a fumble and 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 they were just going nuts and and they were absolutely convinced they're going to hose us again Alabama's going to figure out a way to beat us again after after all the heartbreak they've endured. But then uh, Stetson Bennett, bless it, God bless him, uh, he put together a couple of drives and some great throws. And uh, and I will tell you this: when we got to the end of the game, and there was the interception, Ringo run back for a touchdown. There were people throwing like full cups of beer in the air <laughs> and grabbing onto each other and jumping up and down and. There were people grabbing. I had no idea who these people were. They're just grabbing me, and it was uh, I, I, all of us grizzled old sports writers. We're not used to that sort of thing, so it was kind of fun. Okay, I, I think you're in the clear now. Uh, statue of limitations would would prevent any of your buddies from getting into any sort of trouble here. But just hypothetically speaking, did one of them? Can you confirm or deny if one of them may or may not have thrown a beer bottle, you know, down onto the field level after that Stetson Bennett call? Like, could you could you clear your buddies of any wrongdoing? I, I can promise you that no, none of them did that because we we were actually. From where we were sitting, we could see the, I think, the student section down in that, that one corner of the end zone with all the bottles were thrown. And, and you know, my guys don't like, my guys didn't like that at all. Uh, one, Robbie said, this, he said, that's ridiculous. And so, yes, the, my boys are in the clear. They did not throw anything. And frankly, none of us has the arm strength anymore to get one out there. So that it, it, it was, <laughs> that, that, and having watched the Tennessee Ole Miss one, I, I, I had a bad – I didn't want that to go on, so I'm glad they well, got a handle on it pretty quickly. Beers for drinking, not for throwing. That's what I say. You know, words to live by yeah. for everybody <laughs> thinking about that in the future. Uh, Larry Munson, he, he famously declared that property would be destroyed after that, that Lindsey Scott touchdown against Florida in 1980. And Kirby had a nice little callback to that. You know he had that just sitting in the holster there. If I remember correctly from the story that you told on this podcast a couple years ago, you already had that taken care of that day back in 1980. I think it was a lamp that you said you broke in a hotel room while you were celebrating that play. <laughs> the, the, the Kaylee Ringo uh, pick six. Yeah. It did. Okay, so uh, I, I want to first, first, if you could retell that story, and then second, is that about to be remembered in the same sort of breath as that as the Lindsey Scott touchdown? 
Well, this, first of all, the story, I was in Tallahassee, Florida. This is very, 1980 was very early in my career. My, I worked in the Green, Greensboro, North Carolina newspaper, the News and Record, and I was covering small colleges. And uh, I was going to cover a game between North Carolina A&T and Florida A&M that night in Tallahassee. So I watched the game, the Georgia-Florida game, from my Econo Lodge hotel room in Tallahassee. And uh, when Lindsey Scott caught the touchdown and ran all the way to give Georgia the uh, the lead in that game, I jumped out of my chair and my hand went through a hanging lamp right over the top and uh, just absolutely destroyed it. And so the next morning I'm checking out, I asked to see the manager. I explained to him the situation, what had happened, uh, and I was certainly would pay for the damages, and I apologized. And he said, well, wait a minute. He said, you broke a lamp while you were cheering against the University of Florida? And I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm a Florida State fan, and you don't owe me anything. And so <laughs> that, that's what happened. So Kay- Kaylee Ringo's pass will, will go down uh, in the annals because the play, the Lindsey Scott play set Georgia up to win the national championship, and the Kaylee Ringo play clinched a national championship. And so, yes, I think it will be – fondly remembered in the annals of Georgia history, uh, very favorably to the Lindsey Scott play. Did you get a, a chance to connect with any of those 1980 guys like uh, like Lindsey Scott, Herschel, Buck Blue afterwards? Did you get a chance to kind of, you know, bump shoulders with them? Unfortunately, I did not. I was hoping I'd see some of them back at the hotel because uh, when, when the boys and I got back, we adjourned to uh, one of our rooms and was watching the uh, watching all the replays and all the analysis and all that stuff. So I did not get to see any of the guys. I am doing an event with uh, Frank Ross, who was the captain of the 1980 uh, Georgia team, and I'm doing an event with him on uh, Thursday night for uh, Honduras Outreach. And so I'll get a chance to see him then. And I stay in touch with the guys like Terry Hogue and Lindsey Scott and Buck Blue. haven't had a chance to talk to them yet. Uh, but I know they were happy. I think I, th- I think all the Georgia people thought, you know, Georgia's been good for a long time and been in position to be to win a national championship a lot of years, and to finally get through and do it the way they did it was uh, was something really special. That's one of the things that you kind of lose track of amidst all this is. You know, seeing Mark Rick down there celebrating, wearing Georgia gear, you know, despite the fact that obviously, you know, he kind of, depending on who you talk to, some people kind of are like, ah, you know, Mark Rick had his shortcomings and he just wasn't going to be the guy to get Georgia to that level. And and like, it's kind of cool to see all of those different guys and you see people from different generations who are able to kind of celebrate that. I, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong here, I don't know if there's a, a comp, if there's another program right now who could experience something quite like that, where it would feel like the same sense of community. And I know that sounds a little bit cliche and that gets thrown around a little bit too much in sports, but like where it truly felt like this exhale for so many people. Well, let's take the example there. All, the, all the, these formal coaches at Georgia, Mark Rick lives in Athens now, okay? His grandchildren are in Athens. Jim Donnan still lives in Athens. And when Jim Donnan talks about Jim Donnan, Kirby Smart played for Jim Donnan, and Jim, they're very close. And Coach Donnan always talks about we and us and all them. He is very loyal uh, to Georgia. And Coach Vince Dooley has been there since 1960, the fall of 1963. He's 89 years old, and he's on the field 
after the game, uh, Billy Payne got him down there, and he's hugging Kirby Smart. And so there, there is this bond between the Georgia people uh, over the years. Ray Goff, uh, who, who replaced Vince Dooley as coach. Ray, Ray still lives in Athens. And so, yeah, there were, there were a, lot of, a lot of people who were, were really, really wanting Georgia to break through, and I think they were all on the field after the game. We love to spin it forward immediately after championships, which is more because I just kind of, I think it's more of like, we don't like accepting that the season is over, but you know, with Georgia, of course, now everybody's wondering with Kirby, uh, you know, what's next? How does he handle success? There's the Ed Ogeron path for handling success. There's the Nick Saban path for handling success. And then like somewhere in between, I think there's this like Urban Meyer, Les Miles path for handling success. And you can kind of take that in a variety of different ways. What does Kirby's next 10 years look like? I think he's set up for a very long haul. Uh, they've, they've made the commitment to facilities. Uh, and I, I, I would say after Monday night, uh, there will be, when they ask for no, no donations, there will be no shortage of people who want to pony up. Uh, obviously, Kirby Smart's uh, compensation package is going to be significantly enhanced uh, after this is over. But I, I think when you look at all the elements that you need to be successful and to be successful on a long-time basis, they're all there. And uh, the Georgia recruiting territory is as good as any recruiting territory in the country. And George's had, you know, he and Nick Saban are probably the best two uh, uh, recruiters in all of college football. And so I think I think Kirby Smart is set up for a very, very nice run. It's kind of weird to say that because I think even the most optimistic Georgia fan wouldn't look at the next five to 10 years and assume that Nick Saban, who is now on the wrong side of 70, just like pass the torch to Kirby. I'm, I'm more of the belief that we could see Georgia and Alabama now involved in something similar to what we saw with Bama and Clemson in the latter part of the 2010s. How do you kind of see the, the Alabama-Georgia rivalry evolving? As long as, as both programs recruit at the level where they're at right now, uh, there's no reason that these two can't be competing strong with each other. I mean, they, I mean every year it, it's, you know, it's, it's Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. I mean, those are your four best recruiting schools. And I think they will con- continue to do that. Georgia, the future looks good. George, Georgia's got all the quarterbacks they need right now, which which will make for an interesting story in, in the spring. But no, I, I anticipate, I don't see Nick Saban having any desire to go on. He's having too much fun. Uh, he's recruiting at too high a level. So I think I think this won't be the last time that, that uh, Kirby and Nick Saban play for a national championship. On a, on a very different note, kind of a bigger picture thing, a little bit lost in the shuffle of, of Monday's events was the, the kind of stalemate that playoff expansion seems to be at. And we, we see the comments on Friday about Jim Phillips, ACC commissioner, coming out and saying, you know, we don't feel that expansion is best at this given time. I've sort of shifted yeah. to being more pro-expansion than against it. I know that you you are a playoff expansion advocate. Have you been this way for a bit? Or when did you sort of realize that going to 12 made the most sense because when you it's really kind of you do the math uh, and greg sankey has done the math for a lot of us he, he said look 12 four is working pretty good for the sec we've done okay uh but if you're going to expand it you need to get something out of it and if you go to eight you know you're going to have five power five conferences and, and, and a 
Group of Five Conference, in some fashion, in some fashion, six conference champions are going to get in. Well, Notre Dame's going to get in more often than not, maybe half the time. That's seven, and you're going to all this trouble for one at-large bid. And the SEC's position is, well, no, that's not. If we're going to change, let's change to make it and change to make the the access much more significant. I'm in favor of it simply because I think. The game needs it. I think one of the unintended consequences of the 14 playoff is that the teams that went almost every year, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, those schools have a built-in recruiting advantage because they can go into a living room and say, hey, we've been to the play, you know, you're Clemson. We've been to the playoff six straight years, six straight years. Come to Clemson and you got a better chance to come. Same thing for Alabama. I just think in order to exp- for the health of the sport, we need more people involved. More schools need to have access, and I think the access of twelve makes November games much more significant because you're you're playing to try to get into the playoffs. And so I think overall it's good for the health of the sport. Uh, I don't happen to agree with Jim Phillips at the ACC. Uh, I think this is a to me it's a this is a separate event. Uh, football is a separate entity. The NCAA doesn't have any jurisdiction of it. Now, I think for the good of the sport, you shouldn't make the fans wait four or five more years on the current setup. So I respectfully disagree with Commissioner Phillips. And and part of this, too, for the people saying, well, you know, why is four isolating all these other schools if we were in a BCS format when you only have two teams getting to the national championship? And it's like, well, you're not considering the factors of recruiting and how there are programs like Georgia and Steve Berkowitz of USA Today had these great numbers on the way that Georgia has just gone through the roof in terms of its spending on recruiting. And now programs that are at the top can afford to go national. So it's not as cyclical as it used to be in the sport. And that's kind of a big part of it within uh, the play off air and with TV contracts contribute to all that. So there's there's a lot of different things that have gotten us to this point, but it still comes down to money. What about pay for play? It, it feels like NIL is kind of the precursor to that. And we've talked with our good friend, Matt Hayes, about this subject a decent amount. And I think we're going to see a lot of change in the sport over the course of the next decade. Where do you fall on pay for play? Do you want it and do you expect it? Well, I think, first of all, NIL is an absolute Essential. I favor NIL. I think is do do you know are, are they going to have as good a handle on it as they wish they did? No. But the fact of the matter is, you can't have this much money in the sport and deny the players the opportunity to cash in on their name, image, and likeness. So I am a hundred percent in favor of NIL. I don't know how it's going to. I don't know that paying the players is the way to go. I mean, if you pay, well, as one person explained it to me, if you pay the players, their employees. If they're employees, they can unionize. They can unionize. They can strike, and nobody wants to face that. So the best option is to come up with an NIL plan that everybody can live with, that doesn't restrict the ability of the players to make money. Because look, the courts have already told us what the deal is. Justice Kavanaugh, in his concurring opinion on the on the EA Sports thing, there is no way you can go back and not allow the players to generate their own income. So I, to me, that is the that is the way they're going to have to do it. It's interesting, though, because I think like with the playoff, we got to four, and then for, for a little bit, that kind of satisfied us. Then we're like, all right, well, we want more. And I wonder if the players will be like that as well with NIL. And they'll say, hey, it's great that we can make money in the open market. 
and then they'll look at when this TV contract is inevitably renegotiated for the latter part of the decade and they'll look up and they'll be like, oh, so you're still saying not enough money, right? Like that's, that, that, that seems like a bit of a farce at this point, but you're right in that it would create issues that, that would have to be overcome and things that would have to be uh, put in place. Last question for you here, Tony because this is what we do in this business again. We, we look ahead way too early. I, I wanna throw a way too early hypothetical question for you. I say, Tony, uh, take Georgia and Alabama or the field to win a national title next year. Who would you go with? Uh, Georgia and Alabama. <laughs> I, I, I think they're pro, you know, well, cause we don't know how Clemson's gonna get, get their situation worked out. You know, oh, by the way, they had a horrible year. They won 10 games. Uh, you know, but how, how is Clemson going to bounce back? What does Ohio State look like? Because they will absolutely be loaded. I just think that with, with Georgia – and Alabama was an extremely young team this yeah. season. And obviously Bryce Young coming back and all that. So, I, yeah, I would, if, that, if that's the bet, I'm, I'm taking Georgia and Alabama, and I'll give you the field. Tony, this has been great. Really appreciate the time. Looking forward to uh, seeing you on Feinbaum when Paul inevitably takes some time off real soon. There you go. Thanks, Con. Appreciate it. What's my destiny, Mom? You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. Life is a box of chocolates, Forrest. You never know what you're going to get. All right. Figuring it out. We got a really special guest today. It is our Bull Mania winner, Justin Lonazak, also happens to be a Georgia fan. Justin, I feel like a congratulations are in order, but I don't know if I should congratulate you more for Georgia winning a national championship for the first time in 41 years or you winning our very exclusive, highly coveted Bull Mania title. You're just, like, life is just good these days for you. It's pretty special, man. And I, uh, I'm I'm happy that I won the the Bowmania, but I'm even more ecstatic that uh, Georgia won a national championship. So I'll just you know hopefully keep taking these wins as we go. And you got a Bowmania victory as a result of Georgia winning too. Like Georgia, if Georgia loses that game, you don't win, do you? Now I think I can't remember who finished second place, but I think we would have probably been tied because I only won by one game. Jeez, yeah. And there were a lot of people kind of tied at the top. And I remember feeling pretty good. I think I was at like 12th or something like that. And I was like, ah, I'm still like pretty far down. But you you absolutely crushed it. It has been probably just a, an awesome week for you. So we're talking on figuring out today the adult way to celebrate Georgia winning a national championship. Now, we've talked in the past on figuring out about celebrating championships. But this one specific to Georgia I don't need to say this again, this title, obviously a little bit different than just your typical national championship. So before we kind of take to the Facebook group and get some of the responses that we got, Justin, I want to start with you this past week. We need to know a, how have you been functioning at work? Uh, B how much have you been, you know, breaking the bank on the championship gear? C how much trash have you talked to a Gator in your life? And then D, how many times have you rewatched the Natty? So start at whatever point you want. All right. So I actually, I called, I didn't call into work, but I was off Monday and Tuesday I actually had to work, which was, I was very improductive. So I, I didn't do a lot of work, <laughs> even though I was there. I think 
the game ended what 12 30 i don't think i went to bed to about 3 30 because of the excitement like i was on twitter retweeting everything i saw uh it was just too much built up yeah you know, i couldn't i could not go to bed so i ended up going probably about 3 3 30 and then had to get up in like eight to go to work so i was useless at work um as far as the george gear i've spent it's about 200 bucks already my plan mm-hmm. is to probably drop some more down the line uh on some cool stuff i see but uh, as far as the florida trash talking i got a few friends of the florida fans but i has i haven't even started that yet that won't even start until the season um you know they can't tweet 1980 anymore so i'm just ready you know when they want to you know say something I'm just going to let them have it. But as far as now, I'm just enjoying the Georgia side of winning. I'm not worried about the trash talk right now. Justin, as soon as the clock hits zero, who is your first like call or FaceTime? Uh, it was actually my Alabama friend who was, you know, <laughs> we were supposed to watch the game together, but he wasn't, he was under the weather, under the oh, weather. I bet he was. And, uh, yeah. He, we watched the SEC championship game together and we, we had plans to watch it at the same place. And I, I was the one that canceled that. And I said, we're not going to watch it there because that's bad vibes all around. Smart. We need to switch Huge it up. Huge grand move by you. Love that. You, yeah, you got you to gotta switch it up. Like, I didn't wear anything that was the same. I, didn't, I was not about hanging out with the same people. So I was like, no, we're not going to that place. So, hmm. you know, it, it, that's who I called. You know, he, was, he, he sent me a text. I won't say his name because he's in the Facebook group as well. But he said that we're the better team. We deserved it. So I was I was pretty cool with it. So those are the moments that you won't forget anytime soon. Is is that that initial reaction and how do you celebrate? It's almost a what do I do with my hands type moment. Like you never really know how you're going to react until it actually happens. And I saw there there are some Georgia fans who just burst into tears. And the moment when that happens and when that reality sinks in it's uncontrollable. And I know that there are probably a few people who have been in the doghouse with their significant others who didn't cry on their wedding day. And then they cried after Georgia won a national championship. That was just like me, Cubs world series. My wife is like, really? Come on. Like these are like two months removed from each other. And this, and this happened to you, but that's, that's just kind of the way it goes when you win a national championship. And obviously this, this one being a, a new experience for, for so many people, are you now at the point where you're like ready to take a breath? You can look back on, on the natty with fond memories, or is it still like, if you watched it back, heart beating out of your chest, you're still nervous, the sets and fumble, all that, like that, that still gives you anxiety to think about. Nah, not anxiety. Uh, I have, I've, like I said, I've rewatched it probably two or three times. And uh, I actually, I may be in the wrong here or on the lopsided things, but I actually agree that it was a fumble. You know, I know a lot of people on Twitter, they said it wasn't a fumble, but when I watched it live, I thought it was not a fumble. But after the replay, I was like, you know, it's clearly a fumble. I try to be level-headed and trying to take my bias into everything. But they made the right call actually on both of the fumbles. So I was – I mean, as I go back through it, I, you know, they made the right calls, but I don't get nervous, you know, and I wouldn't trade anything for the world, you know. Like Stetson said and when he came out and he said he wasn't going to let us lose the game, you know, that gave me deals just hearing that at the, at the postgame speech. 
Justin, you did everything possible to have good vibes for yourself. You changed up the location of where you're watching the game. You made sure you were around different people. You didn't necessarily sit there and blame the refs after after the calls didn't go your way, although many Georgia fans did and it still worked out for them in the end. But you did everything possible that you're supposed to to win a championship. So I, I, I don't know. I'd say at least like 15 20% of Georgia's national championship goes to you. I mean – I know I don't get none of that, but I'll definitely take it from your coming from you. But I mean, I'm just like I said, I'm just happy. We need right, a paper mache him a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> they can do that. They can definitely do that. Um, plenty of Georgia fans, I'm sure, have done just that. Let's go to uh, the Facebook group because I wanted to ask those those same questions and just see how everybody is has been reacting to this over the course of the last week or so, and just the ability to to function as an adult after winning a championship that obviously meant so much to so many people. So let's start with this one from Derek Walden. Derek says, I was actually off Tuesday, so that worked out well, just like you, Justin. Um, He says, Jack and Coke all night plus a celebratory shot of McCollin? McCollin 18? Did I say that right? McCollin 18? I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, it made it tough to wake up that morning. I started looking for gear before the clock hits zero drunk slash buzzed championship gear shopping cost me around 400 bucks, not counting what the wife bought. I've watched bits and pieces of the natty on four separate occasions, and I haven't talked nearly as much trash as expected. Most people that I deal with have been surprisingly accepting and almost happy for dog fans that it finally happened. Justin, have you had any Florida fans attempt to like reach out to you with a congratulatory, like, Hey man, just, just happy you were able to get it done. I've only had one. Like I said, I have a few friends that are Florida fans and I only had one and he's, I used to work with him, but he's been a friend for about 12 years. And he, after the game, he said, congrats. He didn't say anything else. It's just congrats. (laughs) And I, I think he was more butthurt, but it was just a easy congrats. And when I replied, he never replied after that. So, gave him the Larry Bird MJ handshake. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go to this one from Michael Dark. Michael says, "I ended up calling out on both the Monday of the game and the day after. For once in my life, I was too nervous to drink." He says, uh, "I'm not keeping that as a superstition for next season." Smart. Uh, I dropped about 200 bucks so far on gear and memorabilia. I've actually been more mature than expected in regards to Florida fans. I'm sure that will change in the coming weeks. Once they show themselves again, I've rewatched the game at least five or six times from start to finish. I have already lost count on how many times I've watched the highlights. Okay. If you do a rewatch, now, YouTube is great, and I always compliment the people who can can get it down to like a 20-minute rewatch to where it's a lot easier. You don't have to sit there on your DVR or whatever and watch like the three-and-a-half, four-hour version of it and put yourself through that kind of hell. That's That's got to be the way to do it. I can't imagine sitting there and being like, all right, honey, tonight, 730. That's, that's when the rewatch starts. Like, just try and sneak it in, those little 20-minute bursts here and there. Otherwise, man, like, all right, it's – that's that's a lot. I'm not, I'm not saying you don't have the right to do that, but try and do it in the most efficient way possible, I would say. Will. Yeah, that or, that or just watch the, the second half. Yeah, yeah, do, do that. Because the first half, you didn't miss a great point. You didn't miss anything in the first half. You don't need to watch those <laughs> field goals again. You don't nice. need to get yourself pumped for that f- scoop and score that wasn't. Just Just watch the second half. You know what? Halfway through the third quarter, maybe. 
<laughs> shave off as much time as possible. Maybe rewatch the intro because the intro is great with, with the hype and, and you, you hear the electricity Fowler and Herbie kind of going back and forth, what it means, all that. I'm sure that there's a Georgia fan who already has that version out on YouTube where it's clipped up with just the intro. And then maybe it starts in the second half. <laughs> now I want to yeah. go watch that. You said, uh, you said you were like, Oh yeah. I couldn't imagine like, like putting like, uh, like, here's what we're doing tonight. I've had, Definitely had Brittany like walk in and I'm like, cause I work from home and it's just like, we're we watching the 2019 national championship again or like the Alabama game. That was my favorite one. It was like yeah, the first half of the Alabama game where it's like, they just implode going into halftime. I'm like, man, this second half is going to be academic. Let's go. When you know, you know, when you know how the game ends, like you said, it's so much cheerier to be like, wow, this is a great moment in time. As opposed to like, yeah, we need about 30 more <laughs> before we go into half for it feeling good. I think you get a year a year of being able to watch any, anything you want from the national championship uh, w- without having to explain it to anyone w- without having to be like, Oh, Hey, like it's, it's been three years. Why are, why are you sitting down watching this for, for three and a half hours on some replay on ICC network? I think you get a year where you don't have to answer that and everybody around you in your life should just know. But then once another national champion is crowned, then it's kind of like, all right, well, they had their time and you're going to probably have to sneak in those, those rewatches championship DVD, a little bit of a different story. You can watch that championship DVD until you're, you're old and gray. Have you bought they, they probably don't even have that out yet. The championship DVD. Will, will that be a purchase that you make? It, it will definitely be a purchase that I make down in the future when I see it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I think they need a little bit of time. Like it, if Hard Knocks gets a week to be able to to turn around those shows that are like an hour, I would imagine that Georgia football has probably had a lot of a lot of work put into that process already. But they're going to need a little bit of time. Will, do you own the 2019 LSU championship DVD? No, I have a lot of the framed newspapers. I'll say this also on the rewatch too. The thing that's cool is like in this day and age, like before every game, most athletic departments like put out a hype video. Those are like the nice ones to look back at. Mm. Cause like, obviously like LSU started doing that. It's like, you know, if you're, if you're in the gym one day and you're kind of having trouble, like starting it up, it's like, Oh man, 60 minutes, 60 miles. <laughs> like those are always the fun ones, like the, the hype videos and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's cool. This is the best time to win a national championship because everybody saw it. And there's like 30 different pieces of memorabilia. You could just pick your favorite one. There is uh there is a video on YouTube of, 2016 Cubs World Series, I think it's like winning it all. And it's the the song that was used. It was either Karate Kid or Mighty Ducks. One of those two. I think it was my, I was thinking it was the first Mighty Ducks. You know what it was? It was the outro to the first Mighty Ducks. And somebody clipped it up perfectly with all these highlights from the Cubs World Series. And for a solid two, three years, when I needed some motivation to go to the gym, I'd watch that eight minute video and I was like, I was, I was ready to go. I was ready to run through a wall. So Georgia fans, y'all don't know it. You're about to get an even better shape now because you got all the, <laughs> the championship videos that you could ever want. <laughs> all right. Uh, Laura Doyle just wants to, just wants to say congratulations to you, Justin. So yeah. take that one. Thank you, Laura. 
<laughs> Let's go to this from Caleb Tillman. Caleb says, I somehow went to work Tuesday. I did the easiest task possible so I could pretend to be productive. It helps that I didn't drink, though I wished I was drinking during most of that game. I've had lots of fun watching Gator fans get angry when I respond to everything they say with 2008. I know it's <laughs> not the same, but it sure is fun. I've rewatched it six times, five times the Georgia radio call and once the Alabama radio call. Oh, that's that's savage has it flipped that much already where you can you can talk about florida having a drought that doesn't seem fair that seems come on that's not enough time i mean i don't think it's enough time but i mean as much as we got hounded by 1980 i mean 19 1998 and 2008 or i mean over 10 years ago so that 2000 yeah 2000 uh 2006 is or 2005 rather yeah wait no i did that wrong 2006 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, six. Oh, eight. I don't know why I, I messed that up. I was thinking a lot of uh, Texas USC, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's the clap back. I, w- I think there's, there's a different play. There's probably a different play. Now, if we're talking 10 years from now, we're getting into the 2030s. Yeah. 2000 is going to come up. And that's what I think too. Uh, if anything, I just, I'd clap back with how many coaches they've had, you know, before I clap back with uh, the Ooh. year that they last won it. That's See, here's a here's a tip on that. What you do is you just use the presidential administration, like wow, Florida fans talking through all those Bush administration titles, and then it seems <laughs> yeah. like a thousand years ago, but it's really like this. See, that's Full the game take you play. <laughs> yes, always bring up uh, the Jimmy Carter administration. <laughs> yeah, just make the scene forever to. ago. <laughs> oh gosh! All right, let's go to this from uh, from Jeremy Edge. Cool name, by the way. Uh, Jeremy says, spent a cool G between Braves gear and dogs gear. Ooh, we didn't even talk about the Braves, man. It's a big year in Georgia. Gosh, watching Jordan Davis just bust out the Braves jersey at the championship celebration, man, like that is Georgia perfect in schlock. I don't know if you're ever going to get a moment just so it like unless Ludacris was on stage behind him and outcast was also coming on. Like other than that, like that, that is peak fandom in my opinion. Like it will be so hard to top anything that pure and genuine when, when he busts out, because he's remember, like he's, he's not even a Georgia guy. This is somebody from Charlotte who has embraced that community. Justin, when Jordan Davis came out with that, you had to just be thinking to yourself, hold on to this moment and savor it as long as you can. It was it was pretty special watching that, and then of course the the Georgia crowd breaking out the ch- uh, the chop the, uh, the Tomahawk can't chop. Think of a t- yeah the chop yeah. If you're spending over a thousand on gear, I'm guessing you're getting. Speaking of jerseys, I'm guessing you're buying a jersey with like the championship plaque. I have a I have a Cubs hat with the championship plaque, like the championship um like the the stitching um what do, what do you call it there. The patch um, patch I say plaque um but you're you're spending a lot of money probably to be able to do that unless if you're buying memorabilia if you're buying game used stuff or something like that that could easily get up around a thousand dollars gosh that's a lot of money though man and now with the nil era bro if i'm playing in a championship game i have after celebrating running to the locker grabbing like a trash bag and just stripping down because you can sell that stuff off for like a hundred G's at the end of the day. It's like one oh, national man. championship sock 
5k starts a bit. <laughs> I, and I think there's some sort of deal with that where you can't just immediately sell off all your playoff issued stuff. I could be wrong about They'd that. Have to catch maybe, me, Connor. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's going to be the new get rich quick scheme for athletes who maybe struggle in the NFL. And then if they have financial issues or something like that, it's like, yeah, I'm selling these game use cleats from the national championships. Like, wait, you're able to, to keep those and, and profit off of them. Um, but yeah, there'll be, there'll be some financial opportunities. The NFT market has got to just be booming after that. I would expect, and I know um, our, our friend Aaron Murray has been working closely with the players lounge to be able to, to get some of that stuff going where the players are actually getting half of the profits from that pretty cool deal that they have set up there. But yeah, lots of money being exchanged all around for Georgia winning a national championship. Let's go to this one from Carter Logan. Carter says, I've spent 150 bucks so far. I've not talked as much as I thought because, well, they know what's up. Uh, I've rewatched several times. I've rewatched or I watched the full game, highlight reels, listened to different calls, you name it. Not to mention the amount of podcast hours I've listened to. Justin, that's a good question for you. Including this podcast, how many hours would you estimate in terms of just podcast content alone you have consumed over the course of the last week? Uh, probably about 10 hours. Gosh. Hmm. That's, that's, I mean, at the same time, that, that is what, that is the best possible way to, to soak in something like that in the days after. And that's part of the reason, to be honest, that we're talking about this here today is because I want Georgia fans to feel like, they can consume this and not immediately turn the page to the next year because there's going to be plenty of time to be able to do that. But hopefully everybody's been able to, to consume as much of that as possible, especially for everybody that's dealing with crap weather right now, like dealing with snow and all that. Justin, do you have snow by you in Georgia right now? I, I actually live in Lexington, Kentucky. So we, oh, actually, got, yeah, we actually got hit with, uh, it's about six to seven inches last night. So yeah. Well, we got snow right now. Yeah. Say hi to my brother. Also lives in Lexington. (laughs) Yeah. I saw that when you were up here. Yeah. He uh, he was talking about how when they had snow a couple of weeks ago, and we don't need to get into a weather discussion here. We're not all 50 year old men, but um, yeah, he was talking about how they had the 13th, I think it was like the 13th biggest snow in Lexington history a couple of weeks ago. Oh my God. Not exactly football weather, if you ask me, but yeah, you're living the dream right now though, Justin, because if you're snowed under, it's like, you're just in your house. (laughs) It's like, oh, I can just relive this championship. I can watch the NFL. I can like, this has got to be an A1 week for you, dog. It's, It's been pretty nice. Jesse Folly says, when Ringo intercepted the ball, I cried. Then at 3 a.m., I impulse booked a hotel in Athens for the parade right before prices went up. I've rewatched the game five times and counting and spent about 100 bucks on merch. This weekend, despite the threat of a winter storm, I drove from Birmingham to Athens for the celebration worth every minute. And then she's got a picture of it as well. That That is just the the most natural reaction you can have to something like that. Just how many times as we in, in, in sports have we been brought to tears? I mean, truly like that to, to borrow the, the Jimmy, the Jimmy V phrase of like, what, what makes a day great. You can laugh, you can cry. You can, what's I can't remember the other one. Um, but that, that to me is just like as genuine as it gets. And I don't know how many situations can simulate that. Like, Will, when LSU wins it all in 2019 with how expected it was, I'd be surprised if I heard LSU fans were like on the brink of tears. 
Um, so I, I went to the game. So the way that I celebrated it was like, I was there with my mom, like, you know, and I, 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 we went to the hotel bar afterward and they had like a buffet out for whatever reason for the championship. And we were just like drinking champagne and eating mac and cheese. I was like, I mean, like I said, I was there with my mom. So I was like giving her a hug and saying like, like, thank you. Like, I'm really pumped. Like that was more of like a personal moment than it was, but you know, I think, yeah, no, it, it's a little bit different because LSU had won one recently, but at the same time, I was, gosh, 13 in 2007. So, like, I had, like, a memory of it, but it was, as as you know, Justin, I mean, 10 years of just getting the doors beaten off of you by Alabama just gets you numb to a certain extent. And you just, like, once you finally, like, get off over that hump, it's like, oh, my God, this is real. I'm not going to wake up. There's, like, three or four days within this dream. It's to be, I'll be in a coma. This is real. (laughs) All right, let's uh, let, we can close with this one from uh, Clayton Tyler Love, Clayton Tyler Lavelle. I think it's Lavelle. Uh, Clayton says, "I took Tuesday off because I stayed up all night. I uh, spent five hundred bucks on merch and multiple rewatches. My wife is probably annoyed with me as she is a South Carolina law alum. Pick your spots. Pick your spots if you're in one of those households, man. Like." Look, and one of the weird things driving to the parade that I kept seeing was these Georgia cars who would have Georgia decals. And then there would be like, oh, it's also like a Florida State decal on the back. So it was definitely some sort of household divided type situation in a lot of these places. And how difficult that must be to try and contain your emotion a little bit. Justin, do you do you have a situation like that at all? No, my... Uh... My wife is a Georgia fan with me, uh, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm thankful that she is a Georgia fan because, you know, we can just celebrate together instead of, you know, trying to bite my tongue and not rub it in if it was a Florida or a South Carolina fan. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine. Oh, gosh. Like, Peter Burns dealing with that every year. He's got that annual bet with his wife, who's a diehard Alabama fan, and his kids, he just tries to basically just tries to bribe his kids into rooting for LSU. It's, it's incredible. But at a time like this, like, I don't know, be kind of difficult to have to, to have to navigate something like that much easier to be in a situation like you're in where everybody can embrace it. It's not, Hey, too much gloating, this or that. I, I think that is the, the, the most healthy way to be able to, to deal with a national championship and not have to suppress any, any thoughts or, or emotions or anything like that. I think we're good. I think we're good. That's that, that was those are great responses. I know there were so many Georgia fans who were able to to be there on Saturday, and they were there this past Monday to be able to be there for the national championship. And hopefully, they're able to to soak in every bit of it. Justin, what's the strategy for repeating next year? And I'm not referring to Georgia winning another national championship. I'm referring to you repeating as our Bull Mania champion. Uh, make the smart picks. I mean, I mean, I, I try to, you know, take the logic out and I try to even not even think about the people who are, you know, not, not playing in the bowl games. I just try to figure out who the best team is. And I mean, it's, it was a hundred percent luck too, and I'll take it, but <laughs> I'm going to try my best to get back and do it again. You're not supposed to admit that you're supposed to say, Oh, I've got in, an inside tip. You know, I've been following all the opt outs. I've been keeping tabs. I, that's, that's my problem. I just get two in my head and you're just like, no, 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 no. Like we're just going to take that out of the equation and just move forward. That's probably the way to do it. You probably will repeat next year with that exact strategy. 
Well, Justin, appreciate you joining us. Um, so announcement, we are going to do something a little bit special that we have in the works later in the week. Um, the plan, tentatively speaking, is to be able to record on Thursday and we'll have more details about what exactly that looks like. If you have not, leave us a five-star review, go subscribe, subscribe to our newsletter, subscribe to College Football Uncensored and Saturday Lives Forever, wherever you get your podcasts. Join the Facebook group, hear your name right on air with Figure It Out or Bold and Brash. Thanks, guys. Talk soon.